1: We don't want competition within the business, we want collaboration. You only grow when you challenge yourself, right? As long as you stay in your comfort zone, there's no growth.
0: Carolyn Zeitler is a culture alchemist, business coach, writer, and a passionate advocate for social impact and positive change. As a bridge between social impact initiatives and businesses, she founded Women Who Impact to showcase her businesses can become agents of positive transformation, shaping a better society for the future. Carolyn's ultimate vision is to inspire millions to run businesses in inclusive, future conscious, and impact-driven ways, sparking a global movement for meaningful change. Her personal quest is to fulfill a long-held dream of riding across Africa on a motorbike, combining her vision and dream in a truly impactful adventure. Hi, welcome to People of Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Badgley, and oh boy, do we have a treat for you this week. We've got a social impact trailblazer in the house, the one and only Carolyn Seitler, here to spill all the beans on her mind-blowing journey. Wheels of Purpose, unveiling African women changemakers. Hold on tight, folks, because we're about to take a wild ride through some mind-blowing topics. First up is Carolyn fulfilling her wildest dreams on an epic motorbike journey across the vast expanse of Africa. Oh, you better believe she got some jaw-dropping tales to tell. But that's not all. Carolyn's all about bringing love and care into the cutthroat world of business. Yep, she's got some seriously juicy insights on the power of collaboration within communities. You don't want to miss this. Wait for it. She's also the genius behind the upcoming extraordinary documentary film, Women Who Impact. It's a celebration of African women superheroes making a real difference in their communities. Trust me, this is a feel-good roller coaster you won't want to miss. And hey, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've got a whole galaxy of exciting topics lined up for you. So buckle up, get cozy, and join us as we deep dive into the heart and soul of social impact with the incredible Carolyn Zeitler. Here's to becoming people of purpose. Hello, Carolyn Zeitler, and welcome to the People of Purpose podcast, round number two for you. Super excited to have you here. Thanks for stopping by.
1: Hey, hi. It's great to be back.
0: Sweet. (laughs) And today you're coming to us from South Africa at the beginning of this epic motorbike trip through Africa. But yeah, I'm super Mm -hmm. excited to talk about what you're doing with that journey.
1: Yes, I'm in Cape Town right now, and it's winter. Oh, Wow, it's sunny but cold <laughs>
0: yeah we're recording this in the middle of july so it's summertime where i am in Kansas city been swimming yeah. almost every day in my pool so very different <laughs> vibes we're in right now definitely yeah <laughs> cool well um last time we talked um you gave a lot of your background and um this time i think the focus is more just on this specific trip that you're on which you know just really captured my attention when i heard what you were doing so Could you just kind of tell like kind of what what this journey is that you're on and why why you're doing this?
1: Yeah, sure. So as you might remember from my background, I've always been very involved in social impact initiatives. And I've always sort of really thought that social enterprise is the way forward, you know. And so at the same time, I've always had this dream of going across Africa on a motorbike, like since I can remember, I've wanted Mm -hmm. to do this. But you know, it's not such an easy undertaking. We're talking like, um ten thousand miles here you know it's like quite a long trip so um yeah and then about two years ago i became aware that i was 45 and that i wasn't getting any younger and that maybe i need to do this if i want to do this you know i need to do this because physically it's quite demanding to ride such a long distance on a motorbike and so i set the deadline for my 50th birthday I said, okay, by by my 50th birthday, which will be in October 25, I have to finish this trip. Um, mm-hmm. But then also I don't want to just ride for the sake of writing, you know, I want to have some purpose while I'm writing. And so the idea now is to create a documentary film series to highlight social innovation across Africa, specifically women-led social innovation. So I'm going to be stopping in with eight social impact initiatives along the way that are led by women. And I'm going to be spending a month with each of them to really understand what it is that they're doing to really capture their story. And uh, then I'll be joined by a filmmaker for a few days, who will actually do the filming so we can make the documentary film series.
0: Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it seems like uh, there are wh- like, what is a common theme amongst all the places that you're visiting, would you say? Um,
1: so the thing is, what I've tried to do is that the only common theme is that they're all led by women, and they're all in Africa, and they're all about social impact. But I've also been trying to make it very diverse, because I want to show the diversity of social impact, that social impact is not just something that can happen in the humanitarian field or In the grassroots initiative but you can do social impact in tech you can do social impact in construction you can do social impact in any field really and so i've been really trying to find the most diverse kind of spectrum of of different initiatives that shows that
0: yeah absolutely that's really really cool yeah so yeah i guess i want to just back up and remind us like what is like a what prior experiences have kind of led you to making this big decision to to go on this really immersive long-term trip like this?
1: Yeah, so I used to run a women's empowerment initiative in the Middle East, so that has kind of really given me that women's background, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a social enterprise. And that sort of it was actually the first time that I found out about social enterprise because I was I didn't want to start an NGO because of all the restrictions and limitations in some countries more than in others but in Qatar where I was it was very limiting to have an NGO there were so many rules and regulations for it i wanted to have more freedom and then i i found out about this format the social enterprise which is you know impact first it's a for profit business but it's impact first and i thought how ideal is that that is exactly what i need you know i need a business where i can do have more freedom to run the business as I want, but I, at the same time, I'm really committed to impact over profit and that profit should never, ever compromise impact. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that then has led to me being asked to facilitate several initiatives around the world where I was like consulting on social impact or coaching on social impact, doing masterminds for social innovators.
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: so that has basically led me to, to this initiative.
0: That's incredible. And you just did your first month stay at a at a spot, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So we um that one we didn't go, I didn't go by motorbike. I just flew there. We just wanted to see, because I hired this film team from Zambia. Uh, we just wanted to meet up in person and see how we work together. And I also wanted to test that my idea about how this is going to be and how this is going to work would actually work in real life. So I stayed a month at Kufunda Learning Village, an amazing initiative in Zimbabwe. I mean, I could talk an hour just about them. Honestly, (laughs) they are like really, really amazing what they do. So they have a school that is inspired by the Waldorf I I'm not sure if you're familiar with the world of schools but it's it's a kind of school system where you know creativity is very much encouraged more mm-hmm. childlike learning styles you know more explorative le- learning styles are encouraged and mm-hmm. things like that so they have a, a school that is inspired in that way then they have biodynamic farming they have workshops for community leaders they do um what is known as the art of posting what is It's a modality that is for community leaders and engagement, you know. Mm -hmm. So they do like really, really great initiatives. And they are basically this oasis in the, it's not far from Harare, actually, from the capital of Zimbabwe, but it's very rural, the area. And they are like an oasis all around them. There are communities that are struggling. The houses are, you know, built with like tin roofs and, you know, things like that. And here they are in the middle of all of that. And their houses are also simple, but they're just beautiful. You know, they have these round houses that are built from mud and clay, and they have like thatched roofs and lots of trees on their land. And just like this oasis, you come in and you just feel the love. And um, mm. it's simple, but there's just this vibe of love around the place. And so, Yeah, it was a real, real amazing privilege to be able to be there for a whole month and to get to groom the horses. Like, I'm a big horse fan, so (laughs) I got to groom the horses every morning and go riding and just, like, meet all the people there and hear all their stories. They've been going for 21 years, so imagine all the stories that they have. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Wow. That's
0: such a dream of mine to get to go immerse myself in a space like this I so just kind of figure out this unified way that a community can exist and thrive together that's that's really special that you got to experience that that time there was there a particular woman or women that stood out in Kafunda that it would be important to elevate their their story
1: well for sure the founder so the founder her name is Mayan and she's half Danish yes half Danish and half Zimbabwean. So she was born in Denmark, but then as a child moved to Zimbabwe and lived there on that land where Kofunda is now because that land has been in her family for a while.
2: Okay. And
1: so she was always very engaged, even as a student. She was engaged with social initiatives and things like that, you know. But then 21 years ago, it occurred to her, you know, that she really wanted to pay tribute to the beauty of the African communities and all the wonderful things that she saw there, where she had this feeling that when she came there with uh, other people from a Western context, that the communities didn't value themselves. They didn't value what they had. You know, they would say like, oh, we have nothing. You have everything kind of thing. And the friends that had come with her, they said to them, no, you have shown us so much. You have given us such a gift because we've seen like how community works and how you all, you know, you all elevate each other and you help each other and you make this community really thrive together. Mm. Um, and so she felt like, oh, that she should build something around that to empower the youth, to empower the community leaders, mm-hmm. to see that and build on that, the treasures that they have they might not have a lot of money, but there's so much more to life than money, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there something that she's doing that that you've never experienced before? Because I know you've, you've done a lot of this, traveling the world and experiencing communities and facilitating large communities. What is like uh, the special gift that you're noticing so far on your first African stop?
2: So
1: what I noticed there, and it was like the most moving story, When we were talking to all the different people, I was going around and talking to all the people who had worked there for a long time, who had been coming there for workshops for a long time, you know, like all kinds of people who had had a lot of contact with this community over time. And the same story came again and again and again. It was such a beautiful story of when I came here, I was a bit lost. I didn't really know where I was going to go with my life. I didn't really have a lot of direction or uh, education whatever but then i came here and i was allowed to explore i was allowed mm. to discover what i love and what i what works for me and you know what i'm good at and now i'm doing something that is really meaningful to me mm. and that story just came again and again you know and it wasn't like we weren't looking for the story it just emerged as we were talking to people that that was her gift like mayan had this gift of just seeing what it is that people could cultivate and leverage in themselves so there was the night guard who came someone who came as a night guard originally and then she saw that the plants around his house were really thriving much more than the plants elsewhere in the community so she asked him if he wanted to work with plants and he did more and more and more and now he's in charge of the biodynamic farming and mm. there was a woman who came as a maid you know who was working at a, as a maid in my aunt's mother's house.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then she went on a journey of discovery of her strength. And she ended up being in charge of the women's workshops. So now she's in charge of like, running the women's workshops, because that's really taps into who she is and her strength and her radiance. And even community said, we didn't know who we were as a community. But through coming to Kofunda and through doing the workshops there, we became aware of community.
2: Hmm.
0: Incredible. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. So I guess why do you consider to be community to be so front and center in what you're interested in as it relates to your your sense of purpose?
1: Because I feel that I've i found a better way to explain my purpose. I know last time we spoke, I said it's something around connection and flow, and I don't quite know like the right words for it. Now mm-hmm. I feel I've found the right words to it, uh, which for me is bringing more love into business. I feel we need to have more love in the business world. And and I think that's what communities do extraordinarily well. Now it's mm-hmm. really about the deep sense of love, not in the romantic sense, obviously, but just love for your fellow humans and looking out for each other and supporting each other and lifting everyone up at the same time.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. What do you think has caused that that sense of clarity shift over the past couple of years since we last spoke?
1: Well, partially just the work I've been doing, like working with different purpose-driven entrepreneurs, working with different initiatives, social innovators, and just understanding more and more that even in my work, love is very essential. Like I feel something that I can only describe as love for my clients. I genuinely care about them. And it really, like, my heart goes into every session that I do. And, yeah, and then I also did, like, um, a retreat. that it, It's called Masterpiece. I did this whole retreat. It's an, a virtual retreat. But it runs over seven weeks. And you have two weeks intensive at the beginning and at, at the end. And, uh, you know, a middle phase where you do a bit of exploration on your own. And that really helped me clarify that that purpose where I was like yeah that's really what I'm doing what I have been doing for a long time but I haven't been brave enough honestly to call it that because I was afraid that people would be like yeah crazy esoteric hippie dippy woman you <laughs> and not take me seriously you know?
2: yeah
0: <laughs> I understand so yeah how does that manifest itself like how do we what have you learned from working with these entrepreneurs? Um, and meeting people like Mayan um, about how do you bring love into business? What have you learned about bringing love into business?
1: Well, there are, I think, two main aspects for me that go back to what I was talking about before, connection and flow. It's really this, you know, a lot of the time we go into fear, especially in business, we go into fear and that does this, you know, it brings us into a tunnel, into a like small visual we don't see much when we're in fear you know? mm-hmm. so when we're worried when we're scared when we think oh, we're in a recession or you know these kind of things like our field of vision becomes very narrow and we're not very creative in that state right we don't come up with very good ideas we're just like spinning and spinning the wheels are spinning and spinning and spinning but we're not really getting anywhere okay so what we need to do in that moment is we need to come back into that expansiveness into the creativity into the trust that everything's okay everything's gonna be okay and then we come back into that you know when you start a business that honeymoon phase in the beginning where everything is like open and expansive and you have so many ideas and you're so confident that it's Mm -hmm. all gonna work out and you know you have a whole different vibe right right that vibe is what i call love you know because there you're like you're in love with your business right like you are right. just so happy it's like it's like having fallen in love just now right
2: it's like <laughs> a very
1: similar kind of vibe you know like everything seems possible like you're just bubbling over with ideas and you yeah, know absolutely. that kind of thing so that's the one it's to go from the fear space into the love space and just be in that expansiveness and in the trust that everything's going to be okay Mm. Uh, because it serves you much better. Fear space doesn't really serve us very well. Right. Um, and the other is the community piece, where we talk now about employee engagement and bringing your whole, whole self to work and all these things. What do all these things really stand for? No, all of these things are really another way of saying we need more community. We need mm. to feel. Like we care about each other, like we're in this together and we need to work together rather than against each other. You know, there shouldn't, we don't want competition within the business. We want collaboration. I mean, in the ideal case for me, we want collaboration in the industry even, not just in the business. You know? <laughs> but take it step by step. <laughs> Let's work work on it step by step. Start with within the business at least. We don't want to create competition within the same business, Mm. because it's destructive. It doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't help anyone. It just creates a lot of stress. And the more creative thinking and the more solution finding something requires, the less the kind of incentivizing people with this kind of carrot and stick approach works. So Mm -hmm. the thing that people used to do by creating internal competition, it only works when there's no creativity involved. Right. But nowadays, there aren't many jobs anymore where you don't need to be creative, right? Most jobs require creative solution finding or something along those lines. And so we have to think differently about how to motivate people to, to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So you're you're saying that it's collaboration that allows for the solution finding to to take shape, and they don't need these external rewards or um, demerits to motivate them. Because when you're leading with love in a collaborative space, then people just want to offer their solutions and their creativity and their gifts. Is that essentially what you're
2: saying?
1: Essentially, yes. I mean, it's very important in that to actually see the person to see the individual and to really play, let them play to their Mm strengths and to not just go like, okay, you're in this role, so you need to do X. But like, no, you're in this role and you have such and such strengths. So maybe we can just tweak your job description a bit to make it play to your strengths better.
2: Ah.
0: yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I do this a lot with my employees. I'm you know a co-founder and i'm in like the ceo role of our startup we generally Uh fluctuate between like eight to 12 people on the team and it's constantly this refinement of like what seat should you be sitting in and how can we access your gifts more how can we get you out of spots that are draining to you um certain people are better at starting things and other people are better at finishing things and some like to work by themselves some like to work in groups more and trying to figure out that mix is quite an art it is it
1: is quite an art and I think people even appreciate if they see you trying. No, Mm. if they see that you're genuinely genuinely care, and you're trying to figure this out. And then they're also more willing to do a little bit of work that is maybe not ideally suited to them, but they're like, Okay, you know, I can do a bit of that, I can pull my weight here, because this person cares about me, and they're trying to make my work experience as good as they possibly can. So I'm going to help them out.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was reading through your stuff and it sounds like um you're sensing that these women in Africa like they really get this just naturally. It's part of how they exist in their community. Is that is that kind of what your thought process is? Is like immersing yourself in a place where this is the the default culture or yeah, speak can you speak on that? Yeah. So,
1: first of all, I want to say that there is an african culture only in so far as there is a european culture for example
2: mm.
1: within africa there is so much diversity because like there are so many different countries and they all have their own cultures and it, there are hundreds like literally hundreds of languages across africa i mean some countries like tanzania have something like i think 120 or 140 languages just in the one country wow. you know so <laughs> So there is a lot of diversity within Africa. And then just like there is a European culture or like there is an American culture, which obviously West Coast culture is very different to East Coast culture in the States, you know, mm-hmm. and you have a similar thing here in Africa, you know, you have something like an African culture, but then you have an East African culture and a West African culture a North African culture, a South African culture. And you see the differences in that. Mm-hmm. And However, what all of them have more than we have, say, in Europe or in the States, is there is more of a sense of community and more of a sense of we're in this together and we're helping each other. So you experience more often that communities come together and they solve a problem together. So one community that I was volunteering in, for example, that was in rural Tanzania, the whole village built each of the houses in the village so everyone whenever a house had to be built everyone who could be available made themselves available they would make the bricks they would make the timber they would build the house and the whole community did it as a community effort
2: hmm. rather
1: than leaving it to the person who was going to live in the house and just going like well it's your house it's your problem you know mm-hmm. like no This is a house in our community. So all of us are going to be involved in building that house. And of course that works for everyone. So when it's your turn to build a house, everyone will rally around your house and help you build it. So it works for everyone.
0: Yeah. It's like that leading with value thing, not expecting direct compensation, but it it comes around to you um, eventually.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Sweet. Well, um, is there anything more you want to share about your, your trip that you're on?
1: Well, I would like to maybe say a little bit more about some of the initiatives, because I think they're very interesting. And okay. um, I think it's also nice to see the diversity of the different initiatives that I'm visiting. Cool. So my first stop is um, going to be in Lesotho, And so I'm going from Cape Town. I'm going out of Cape Town. Uh, and actually, we're planning, which I'm very excited about. We're planning what we call the big send off from Cape Town. So there's like a whole group of motorbikers that want to come with me. And so they're gonna escort me out of Cape Town. Wow. <laughs> so we're gonna be riding like with a whole group of bikers out of Cape Town, you know, and towards. Oh, America. that's gonna be incredible. <laughs> and so I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's gonna be lots of fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I'm going across to Lesotho, which many people might not know because it's a tiny country. But Lesotho is basically inside of South Africa, geographically, but it is an independent country. And it's very high up. So the lowest point in Lesotho is something like 2,000 meters high. So it's it's a mountain place. Everything is, the whole country is in the mountains. And the initiative that I'm visiting there is called uh, RISE, which stands for Relationships Inspiring Social Enterprise. And what they're all about is helping people build social enterprises around different aspects of construction. So it's architecture, um, bricklaying, building, actual building of the houses, and so on. So I think it's super interesting because the construction industry is, traditionally in most countries, quite a seedy kind of industry. You know, there's a lot of like unpaid work or underpaid work. There's a lot of people who are kind of being hired in a not so good way. And there's really, in some cases, even modern slavery happening in, in the construction industry because it's so easy to just kind of smuggle a few people onto a building site. It's not so easy to completely regulate that space. So I I really applaud that the effort of bringing some social impact and some awareness into that space. So I'm very curious to learn more about how that is done. And this particular initiative was founded by a Maltese woman, but she then handed it over to a local woman. So now it's run by a local woman from Lesotho. Mm. And, And then... Yeah, I already told you about Kufunda, which I was very impressed with. And then. Uh, and you're
0: staying at these places approximately a month, is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So the idea is to stay there for a whole month and to really get like a good impression of what it is that they are doing, uh, what is the story that they want to tell, but also what is the story that emerges. Because often I found that the. The founder is actually way too humble and doesn't really know the full impact that she's having. And so talking to the people around her that are benefiting from everything, you find out even more about what is actually happening in the space. And so it's like a really wonderful thing to be in the space and be able to experience what is actually the benefit that people are getting out of it. Uh huh. So I'm staying there for a whole month. And then towards the end of that month, the filmmaker will come for like three three or four days to do the filming. But by that time, I've got a good idea of what the story is that they want to tell. So, right. Yeah. And then, you see, we're going for a lot of diversity. So there is another initiative in um, Uganda that is an online platform for women That are victims of uh, not only women, but mostly women, unfortunately, uh, for victims of sexual harassment and abuse. And because this is a very taboo subject in Uganda, a lot of girls and women never get help for it because they can't they don't know how to talk about it or who to talk to. And sometimes they are even made to feel guilty Mm. uh, when they talk about it, you know, that they somehow brought it upon themselves. And so this woman who unfortunately has had this experience herself, she wanted to help other people to have a way to deal with it. So she created this platform where you can call and anonymously get some help. Um, Mm. So you don't have to identify yourself and you don't have to identify the perpetrator. You can just get help. Um, And yeah, that's another really, really beautiful initiative that I think is, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to finding out more about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And she, she was telling me that during the pandemic, they even went further and they provided transport to medical centers for people who were alone and didn't have any way of getting there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she's, um, that's also a very, very great initiative that I'm looking forward to seeing. And then we're going to Tanzania where this woman is actually an expat woman. And she's but she's been living in Tanzania for a very long time, I think 20 years or 25 years. And she's a vet. And so her life's mission basically is to save the wildlife, but in a way that gets them back into the wild as soon as possible. So obviously, wildlife gets injured, and often by humans, but also because they get stuck somewhere or whatever. And so What she's trying to do is is to help them and get them back into the wild as soon as possible. And because she's realized that there's a big, big problem with the elephant population, because elephant calves apparently are very, very vulnerable. And if they get separated from their mother, they have to be reunited with their mother within 48 hours. So you have Mm -hmm. a very small time window for them to survive. And... Uh, she realized that a lot of people, even rangers, don't are not fully aware of of the urgency of this and how to do it properly. You know how to reunite them with the mother properly. And so her goal now is to train 1,000 rangers across Tanzania in one year to get them to understand how to best reunite an elephant calf with the mother, so that they can save more elephants. That's another one. That's super cool. Yeah. It's just amazing. You know what people are doing, the things that people are getting up to. So this is called Kili Crew because they're near Kilimanjaro, so they're called Kili Crew. And then we have another initiative in Ethiopia, which is an app. And this app is specifically for refugees and displaced people. And as you can imagine, when you're a refugee or a displaced person, it's very difficult to pursue any kind of career because you're maybe in some camp, don't have a legal status. uh, It's very hard to pursue any kind of education. So basically the, often these people, their lives are just kind of put on hold as long as they have refugee status. And so this girl, her name is Eden, Eden Teresi. She has a couple of co-founders from around the world. But they basically decided that they wanted to help people not to be so stuck in that situation. And so they're trying to help them discover what skills they already have, what skills they can develop even while they're in this refugee um, status and what they can do towards having a a career as soon as possible. And so it's, um, it's really another great initiative of just, helping people find a way through a very difficult situation.
0: Wow. That's, that's incredible. And each of these places you're bringing your film crew to be doing a documentary type of thing.
1: Yeah. So the idea, I, I really wanted to hire an African crew because I felt like it would be great to have that perspective of someone. I mean, I, I didn't want to hire a different crew in every country because I want to have consistency throughout because it's one series. So I wanted to go with one crew, but at least have a crew that is from one of the African countries that I'm going through so that there is more. They can see things that I can't see. It's just like I'm European. So when I go around Europe, there are certain things that I can relate to and that I can see that a non-European person cannot see because you have that. Affinity to this culture, you understand it better than somebody who's from a completely different place, right? So I found uh, even on our trip to Zimbabwe, I found it very valuable to actually have an African film crew and someone who sees things and understands things that I don't mm-hmm. understand. For example, we went to film in a public place, and Lizu um, the the cameraman, he said, "Oh, I have to go and speak to that guy over there. He's in charge here." And I'm like, I wouldn't have been aware that this guy is in charge. Like for me, it looked like everyone was just doing their thing. It seemed like a kind of marketplace type atmosphere, you know, like there's stalls and there's like these taxi buses that they have and all kinds of stuff going on. And for me, it didn't seem like any particular person was in charge. But he, within minutes of arriving, figured out that this guy is in charge and that if he wants to film here, he should go talk to this guy because otherwise we'll get in trouble. Mm. So this is like really good insight to have when you're going to foreign countries, because you often just don't know what the local the local things are that you need to be aware of. And so, yeah, I learned another one that I find super interesting. So I was talking to this guy who's done like the Cape to Cairo trip several times on his motorbike. And he very kindly spent some hours with me explaining some of the things, challenges and and wonderful things about it. And he told me that there is a rule that you have to know that if you want to camp anywhere in, in Africa, basically, you have to find out who is the chief who's in charge of that land. And you have to go to the chief and ask permission to pitch your tent on his land. And it's another thing I wouldn't have known, you know, like I wouldn't have known that there's like always there's like a local tribe and a local chief and you have to speak to the chief. The chief will hardly ever say no. They usually just say yes and they welcome you and often even give you invite you in for dinner. But (laughs) if you don't ask them, you're in trouble because you're basically trespassing. Mm -hmm. even though there's no fence around this land or anything but it's it belongs to this tribe and Mm -hmm. so the chief chief is in charge so it's those things you know you need to have this kind of inside knowledge if you want to to do things successfully in in foreign countries
2: yeah
0: absolutely yeah that's really cool and then what is your plan for like a distribution of this documentary is this you have like a business model behind this or a, a A platform that's that's going to emerge what's your plan for that
1: so i would like this to be available to as many people as possible Mm -hmm. and as affordably as possible so there is obviously two parts to this on the one hand i'm going to invest like a whole year of my life into this and Mm. Going to be a kind of a little bit of a career break because, you know, my work heavily depends on internet and have at least half the time on this trip, I won't have stable internet. Right. So at the end of it, I'm going to have to be able to make a little bit of money out of it in just in order to get back on my feet, you know, and, yeah. and have uh, build up my career again on the other end. Mm-hmm. But my really my deepest wish is that this becomes available to as many people as possible for free. And so ultimately, I want to just have it on a platform like YouTube or somewhere where anyone can see it. But in the first year or two, we might limit the access a little bit so that we can generate a little bit of income from this. So that means going to film festivals, Mm
2: -hmm. giving
1: it to certain streaming platforms that can use it as their content and things like that. So yeah, that's the idea.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that's really cool. And then how are you able to to do this like in your life right now to just take off like eight months to go through Africa? like a lot of people I think would love to do that, but maybe for someone listening that has that desire what, what do they need to have in place to be able to operate like you are, where you can just take eight months of your life and do that
1: well i I think everyone is somewhere on the scale from freedom to security, right? Those are the two poles. And every person is at a different point on that scale, right? Some person right. are closer to freedom, some are closer to security, you know that mm-hmm. we're all on that scale somewhere, right? I'm very close to the freedom side, very far from the security side. <laughs> so, me,
0: me too, me too <laughs>
1: <laughs> So I'm quite happy to just go and do it. Right. you know I don't have like I don't have any savings. I don't have any you know backup or like safety net. I'm just figuring it out as I go along. Uh, If you're willing to jump in like that, it's actually quite an easy thing to do. You just say, I'm going to do this. And then you kind of get rid of all your stuff and uh, all the stuff that you don't need anymore. (laughs) You store a a suitcase in your mom's basement or your sister's basement or whatever, and then take the rest with you on your trip. And that's it. You're gone. Love Um, it. But like, you know, I guess people who need a bit more security would probably need a bit more prior planning and everything to that. But yeah, every everyone has to figure that out for themselves, I guess, how they do that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Is there anything that you're having to kind of say no or put aside while you do this this big trip?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of comfort that you don't have on a trip like that. So the things that, a lot of things that we take for granted, like uninterrupted electricity, uninterrupted internet, those things are not guaranteed in a lot of the places that I'll be visiting. Even here in South Africa, even here, they have this thing called load shedding, which is like scheduled power cuts. So you have like scheduled power cuts that sometimes can be like eight hours out of a 24-hour period. Uh So... Yeah, you there's a lot of I think a lot of sort of creature comforts that you have to give up. Also you have limited contact with your loved ones in a situation like this because again internet. Um and you can only communicate virtually which is always a little bit different from actually being there in person. But then you have to see like all the things that you gain for that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a balance,
2: right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you think that you're going to gain like uh from this experience as a person? Like how do you think you're going to grow as an individual?
1: Um so my experience is that whenever I travel and whenever I challenge myself, I get a lot out of it for my personal growth because mm. really you only grow when you challenge yourself, right? As long as you stay in your comfort zone, there's no growth. If you're comfortable, but you're not growing, you're not going right. anywhere. Right? You're just like staying the same. And it's okay for some time. But you don't want to be there your whole life. Because really, I mean, at least me, I really want to evolve as a person. And if I want to evolve as a person, I have to push myself out of my comfort zone. I have to challenge myself. I have to do things that I'm afraid of and that scare me. And I just have to go do it anyway and see that I can do it. And every time you can do it, every time you see that you can Makes you feel a little bit stronger, and it gives you confidence to do something
2: even scarier.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's incredible. And are you um are you bringing any guests on your trip at any point? Do you have someone flying in to come visit one of the initiatives or anything like this?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, I'm hoping. You know, we have like a Patreon page for this. And I'm hoping that some of the patrons might be interested in actually actually being on the trip or coming and visiting somewhere or um, let's see. I mean, I'm really like looking forward to making this, creating a community around this, you know, and really having some, I, I've already got a few people who are very engaged and really helping me a lot at the moment to get mm-hmm. all the preparation and everything done. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a wider community of people who just maybe some of them just want to live vicariously through me. Maybe some of them want to learn more about Africa, learn more about social impact. Like, I hope there's a lot of people who will get something out of this.
0: I love it. I love it. Are you like, what are you drew, doing to draw attention to this? Like you're on this podcast today. Are there things that you're doing to increase awareness of what you're doing?
1: I wish I could do more, Tanner. I tell you, this is my weak point. <laughs> but we do have an Instagram account. And we have a website. We've made a trailer for this from our trip to Zimbabwe. We have the Patreon. We have a newsletter. So we do have a few things in, in place. And I am getting more and more interest from the media. So I was interviewed recently for an online TV channel here in South Africa. And there's a radio station and local radio station that has been in touch with me and they're asking if they can do a follow story so actually follow the whole trip whoa and yeah so so there is some you know there's some attention there's some people getting interested and let's see where it goes why?
0: i mean why do you consider that to be a weak point for you that seems like a lot of things that are opening up you know in marketing
1: yeah i'm i'm like i think because of the social media thing you know like i i have some help on my social media luckily but for me it's like i look at the the engagement on the social media and i'm like i wouldn't have predicted that like i just don't have that intuition for what lands with people and what doesn't right (laughs) like it's always really surprising to me i'm like i would have thought people would have loved that then it doesn't land and then another thing where i'm like nice but hey We get so many likes and so many comments and whatever. And we're like, really? (laughs) That is interesting (laughs) to
2: you.
1: (laughs) I just feel like I'm very intuitive about most things. And Mm -hmm. and that's what I fall back on for most things. But in the, especially on Instagram, like my intuition is not there. (laughs) It's not true. (laughs)
0: Do you you have like a sense of like a a grander vision to all this? Like, like how this kind of, if you extrapolated this kind of life and these kinds of documentaries over 10, 20 years, do you have a sense of like, where this is all leading to?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So the grand vision is that in 80th time, I am going to build a community that is all about bringing love into business. And I want it to be a physical place physical space where people can come for sort of emergence, you know, like a retreat type thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: where we are in nature and they can, ex- through through being in nature and exploring nature, they can learn a lot about the natural order of things, so to speak.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: in nature, for example, in nature, everything has its purpose, right? Every insect, every plant, every everything has a purpose. And because all of these things come together, the whole ecosystem works. Yeah. None of these, none of the plants or animals or whatever are going to try to fulfill someone else's purpose. They mm-hmm. all just focus on their own purpose. We humans are the only ones who think, oh, maybe I could be a tree when in fact I'm a beetle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you try to be a tree when you're a beetle? Just be a beetle, you know. <laughs> so, um, I think there is some something where you know we can when we connect with nature and we're we immerse ourselves in nature, we can find our way back to ourselves and our true purpose and see how valuable it is and that it's just as valuable as every other purpose out there. It's not like there's a hierarchy. It's not like if your purpose is to be a firefighter then you're a better person than my purpose because i'm my purpose is to be a baker or something you know like there is no hierarchy in that
2: yeah, all exactly. of us
1: together make the world make it work so i feel that through connecting with nature through in connecting with indigenous knowledge systems to through having some kind of real community sense we can bring people back to discovering these things and just being more at peace with like who they really are and valuing like what they've got to give to the world.
0: Yeah. 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 I love that. That's really cool. So in your physical community space, what, what does that look like? Is that, are people like living there as well? Is there like a whole like governance system going on where you have like a, a town mayor or leader or something?
2: <laughs>
1: So the idea for me is that all the people who work there live there okay. um, and that everyone who's part of the community has some sort of purpose in the community. So maybe the person who makes the food for the retreats maybe wants to maybe wants to do some permaculture or maybe wants to have a little store where the people from the nearby town can come and buy some yummy things or mm-hmm. Maybe the person who facilitates some of the workshops wants to like do some pro bono work in a nearby community and things like that. So that we really sort of blend in to our environment and the communities around us benefit as well from us being there. But mm-hmm. that we also we can do a lot of things like grow food and have our own sort of little oasis in the middle of wherever we are. And so that we can have a certain lifestyle and sense of community
2: there. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. (laughs) And how would you think about integrating all these leaders that you've been meeting, like these sort of initiatives? Do you have any plan about how to kind of integrate this kind of trip and other trips like it into your living community?
1: Yeah, so they could definitely come as like um, guest speakers, you know, providing workshops and sharing their experience of what mm. they've learned over time, you know. And I think that the documentary film series is going to be something that's really going to spread that a uh, very similar message out into the world as I want to do with this initiative.
2: Nice. So
1: it's really about this finding connection again and finding human connection again and stop hiding behind screens and going mm into the world and actually meeting people face-to-face and meeting nature face-to-face
0: i love it <laughs> you're really living right now you're out there on a big grand adventure <laughs> super immersed I, yeah. I love it that's really really cool how can uh, if someone's listening right now how can they uh help you or support you in what you're doing
1: so there are several ways, like if it's a private person who just wants to do something by themselves, they can become a patron. So there is the um, on Patreon.com, we have a page called Women Who Impact, um, okay. so you could find us there. If it's someone from a company and they feel that this would be something that aligns well with their CSR initiative or it aligns with what they're trying to do for women, maybe they're trying to attract and retain female talent. Then they can reach out to us and we can talk about partnerships sponsorship deals so there's a lot of ways and anyone no matter who they are can spread the word
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful i love that well, very cool well um is there anything that you want to leave us with before we we close out today
1: well our motto for women who impact is trust your truth so I really want to encourage everyone who's listening to trust their truth and to really go for living that life that feels true to them whatever that looks like for them
0: mm. yeah you really embodied that and i appreciate you gracing us with your presence and yeah i really feel your warmth and your your joy that's coming from being around women that love creating what they're creating and you're getting to showcase that with your crew and there's just hundreds of lives that are gonna be impacted by this. And I'm really excited to see how that unfolds for you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or is there something we can help you work through to figure out and reach your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Just send us an email or a message on Facebook. If you want continued inspiration, subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our insightful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. And if you want to actually see the guests behind the voices as well as receive daily inspiration, follow the podcast and journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast or at People of Purpose on Facebook to join our purpose-seeking community. By joining, you will know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose news, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness intentionally filtered by me to nourish your path to purpose. Lastly, if you like this podcast, please post a review wherever you listen to it. Doing so will not only help us to grow, but will also allow your voice to be heard and who knows who you could inspire. Cheers and here's to becoming.